last time Scarlett Lewis saw her son Jesse, he was writing the words, I love you, on her frosty car door before he went off to school. And Jesse died in his first grade classroom in 2012, only five years ago, when 20-year-old Adam Lanza broke into Sandy Hook Elementary School, Newtown, Connecticut, and fatally shot 20 children and six adults. But check this out. This is, there's so many otherworldly, there's no way to explain this. So understand this, folks. Because when the shooter stopped to reload, Jesse courageously stood in front of him and used his final moments to yell to his classmates to run to safety. And there were nine of them. What six-year-old does that? And when Scarlett returned home after the tragedy, she found words scrawled on her kitchen chalkboard from Jesse. Nurturing, healing, and love. Unbelievable stuff. Scarlett, you still must, I mean, it's only been five years, you must shake your head at at those two things just in and of themselves and say, what was that all about? Yeah. Hi, Drew. Um, absolutely. Um, I was, I was amazed. Uh, I was amazed on one hand and not on the other because I know Jesse and, uh, and, and I know, um, I know the kind of kid he was, which is really amazing, but certainly nurturing, healing love was not in his vernacular. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, this is. Please forgive me as I'm about to say this because you'll you'll understand the the um, the lunacy behind this question. But does that help make it better? Uh, it's interesting that you say that because I guess five years later I would say uh, it's a story that I can live with. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I am, um, regardless of how difficult it is. Um, you know, the, the word, when I came home and I found the words on the kitchen chalkboard, nurturing, healing, love, I just, I, I just understood immediately so much. I knew that if Adam Lanza, who was the shooter, had been able to give and receive nurturing, healing, love, the tragedy would never have happened. I, I knew that that was a, a more of a, a spiritual awareness that Jesse had, that he was not going to be on earth for very much longer. He wanted to leave a message of comfort for his family and friends. But I knew that message was also more than that. I knew, I I actually knew in that moment that I would be spending the rest of my life spreading this message. And by the way, for the last five years, I have literally traveled all over the world doing just that. Um, what, What I did do was start a foundation and uh, it's called the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement. And I wanted to be part of the solution to the issues that we're seeing in our world today. And by the way, not only uh, violence, but of course, you know, in the United States, we've had one mass shooting per day this year, uh, and not to mention one school-related shooting per week since Sandy Hook Elementary School. So we have, on average, one school-related shooting per week in the United States. And, and they are all preventable, including the one that happened at Sandy Hook Elementary School. 100% preventable. And so I, and I, and I have, I, I was heartened to find that there was a solution. And, uh, and it's called social emotional learning. Basically, I found that nurturing healing love message. I, I, I knew it was a spiritual message, but I knew it was more than that. I invited a local doctoral professor who is the director of the Compassion, Creativity, and Innovation Center at Western Connecticut State University to come to the house to look at the message. Um, He went back to his office, called me 24 hours later, and said, look, 
those three words are in the definition of compassion across all cultures. Hmm. And, uh, and I said, Chris, I know I have to get this. Like, my mission on earth is to get this message into schools because I know that if our shooter had been able to give and receive nurturing, healing love, uh, if he had if he had been resilient, if he had felt connected, if he had been able to manage his emo- emotions, have positive relationships, the tragedy would never have happened. How do I get this message into schools? And Chris said it's called social emotional learning. And social emotional learning is basically the soft skills that all employers are looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly what I just described. And 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 we have decades of research showing, proving that that social emotional learning kids that have access to it not only get better grades and test scores higher graduation rates less bullying less anxiety less stress um but they they have uh they're just they're better off physically mentally and emotionally they have less substance abuse less incarceration uh, less mental illness of all kinds it proactively prevents what we're seeing in our society and so i i thought my gosh why doesn't every school have this? Why doesn't every child have access to this? And, of course, there were obstacles. One was cost, and the other was extensive teacher training because these skills and tools aren't innate. If you don't learn them, you don't necessarily have them. So I worked with dedicated educators, and we created a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade social and emotional learning program that is 100% free. <laughs> it's, it's on our website. It's downloadable. You could download it today and teach it in your classroom today. It's easy to teach, easy to learn. However, the impact has been profound. And in the last year and a half, and, and you'll believe me when I say I'm on a mission, um, this program has been downloaded in 48 states in the United States and 30 countries, including Canada, by the way. Um, why are, I mean, I am really good at asking sort of semi-ignorant questions, even ignorant questions. Fully but, ignorant. Fully ignorant. Don't sell yourself no. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. <laughs> but, but uh, Scarlett, when it comes to losing your son, I mean, when the girls picked up the phone and talked to you, right? Hadge is the one that called you, and she, she put you on hold, and she said, she sounds so happy. And it was astonishing to her that a mother of a six-year-old who was killed five years ago would sound happy. So let me ask you this semi-dopey or maybe fully dopey question. Why are you so happy? Why are you not just a complete mess, as some of us think we would be if our six-year-old was murdered? Well, I do want to say, so, you know, like this morning, I joined the other parents at our municipal center, and I uh, we all gathered to see a photo installation of our children um, for the five-year anniversary. And uh, it's not like I don't cry every single day. Um, but I, he, here's the thing. This, this, uh, this uh, message that Jesse left on our kitchen chalkboard, nurturing, healing, love, is actually a profound formula for choosing love. And it works in every situation. I live my life by it. It's the foundation of the entire program and it's this starts with courage right and and that's based on jesse's example of courage when he saved at six years old facing the gunman nine of his classmates lives and we all have the courage that jesse showed Hmm. every single one of us but courage is like a muscle first of all we have to be aware of it 
Second, we have to practice it, right? And courage is the foundational concept for all the other character values. You have to have courage to practice any of the other ones. Um, nurturing means loving kindness and gratitude. I practice gratitude every single day. I focus on what I have. It does not mean that I don't miss what I don't have. I desperately miss Jesse. Uh, I would give my mission and everything up to touch him one more time, but that is not possible. Healing means forgiveness, right? And, and we don't talk about forgiveness. We don't teach forgiveness. If, if someone actually pays me to speak, I always say don't put forgiveness in the title because not many people will come. We don't understand it. It makes us uncomfortable. We believe that it's weakness, right? But what I found through my own journey is that forgiveness is a gift that you give yourself. It cuts the cord that attaches you to pain. And I, I've spoken a lot. I mean, you, you found me on the, on the Forgiveness Project website. I, I've spoken a lot about my choice to forgive. And, and I can walk through that quickly. Um, you know, I looked at Adam Lanza, and I, I studied his childhood just a little bit. And I realized, my God, this was just, this was just a child. He was born like anyone else, a perfect child of God, right? He wasn't born a mass murderer. There is no mass murderer gene. He was born just like you and I. And, and as you look at the progression of his life, you see that he did exactly what a little boy is supposed to do. He cried out for help. He, and by the way, kids don't sit in classrooms and raise their hand and say, excuse me, um, excuse me, I'm having thoughts of self-harm and harming others. Can you please make an appointment at a psychiatrist mm. at your earliest convenience? Mm -hmm. <laughs> they don't do things like that, right? They, they say things. They write things. Uh, like there were red flags all along the way that Adam put up himself. For instance, when he was in fifth grade, he hand-wrote a story, uh, and he brought it to school and he, with the intention of selling it. It was taken from him. It was called The Book of Granny. And in this book, a witch comes to the school with a broomstick that opens into a semi-automatic weapon, and she murders children, right? He, this has been on his mind for a long time. And what do you think he was trying to do as a fifth grader, bringing this story in? and giving it to a teacher, he was saying, this is what I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. Is this normal? Help me, right? And, and, he, and people dropped the ball all along the way, including his mother, right? So, so, so for me, when I look at that and I realize he did everything he was supposed to do all along the way until he became so angry that turned into rage, that turned into mental illness, that he, he couldn't control himself. But honestly, it's easier for me to be angry for him than it is to be angry at him. Right. And, and, I, and I realized early on that I had two choices. I could either allow Adam Lanza, give him power over my thoughts that impact my feelings, that affect my behavior. I could give this person who murdered my son, I could let him ruin my life, Right. Which in turn, by the way, might ruin my 12 year old's life, Jesse's older brother, because he's sitting there watching every single choice I make, every word that comes out of my mouth, every action. He's he this is I'm teaching him how he's going to respond to obstacles in his life. Right. Mm -hmm. Or 
I could choose to, to, to take my personal power back, cut that cord that attaches me to pain, and be part of the solution. And I chose the latter. And, and I'll, just, I'll just finish off with the formula for choosing love. So we have courage, because everything starts with courage, plus gratitude, plus forgiveness, plus compassion in action. Then the key is to, to look outside your own pain and suffering, because we all have our own situation. Look outside that and do for others. Be in service. Because once you do that, you're looking outside your own pain towards someone else, and, and you receive the benefit. I say all of the nurturing, healing love that you give out, you get back, and that's so true. And by the way, it's backed up by decades of research. <laughs> mm. So this is the formula for choosing love, and, uh, and I live my life by it. This is what I teach. This is what we teach pre-K through 12th grade, and, uh, and, and, it, and it really does work. Scarlett, is there such a thing as forgiving too early? I think that's a good question because you have to feel the anger, right? Anger is a a normal part of human existence, and there's no judgment in that because anger can be a catalyst for positive change. I mean, anger is not always a bad thing. Um, I, I, it's not that I, and it's not that I don't fall back into anger, by the way. Mm -hmm. There's things that make me angry. I mean, we touched on it briefly earlier on. Um, and that's when people take advantage of the tragedy, right? There are other people that know, by the way, tragedy can be big money. (laughs) Not for the parents, but for other people who have all their faculties that are on the ground opening bank accounts. Um, who knew, right? So, um, we had some of that going on and, and that, that, that makes you very angry. Right. And, and there's still the remnants of that happening. And and so it's not that I don't feel anger and even on a daily basis. But that's another lesson that I learned about forgiveness. Right. Forgiveness starts with a choice. But then it, ah, then it becomes a process. And it's something that we may have to do on a daily basis for the rest of our lives. I, I know that I will. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm all right with that. Because every time I do it, I'm taking my personal power back. And and it, it feels good. Okay. The reason I ask if, if there's such a thing as forgiving too early, just as an outsider, not having all the information whatsoever, I watched a couple of interviews that the pastor did from the uh, small Texas town church shooting that happened not too long ago. And his daughter Mm -hmm. was one of the victims, 17 years old, I believe she was. Uh, I could be completely off here, but it just seemed like it was all sort of, you know, kumbaya and Jesus died for us. Jesus died on the cross. And so who are we and blah, blah, blah. You know, I just thought it just seemed too whitewashed and blah. That's a real technical term, but it just seemed blah. And uh, so maybe I'm judging and, and totally wrong, but that's why I asked you because I, especially in the in the evangelical Jesus scene, there seems to be this. If I can get wrap my head around forgiveness soon, then soon I, my relationship with God will be restored. And who am I to judge? And it just seems all watered down BS as far as I'm concerned. Your thoughts on all well, that? I, yeah. Well, I think maybe it's because you're you're only hearing sound bites. 
Yeah. Right. And he's seeming put together. And the message is like, it's like, you know, two minutes or whatever, you know, whatever they give you. But what you're not seeing is the devastation that I know that he feels. You're not seeing when he's alone and he's on the floor and he's uh, he's bawling his eyes out and throwing things. and, And you're not seeing the anger because there is. And uh, I mean, even in the Bible, when Jesus talked about forgiveness, he said that when, when one of his disciples said, how many times do I have to forgive? Jesus said, 70 times seven. That means it's a continuous process. It means that you go, <laughs> you forgive, and then you fall back into anger and despair, and then you forgive again, and then you fall back into anger and despair because you're a human being. Yeah. So you're seeing like these sound bites that seem so unrealistic. And by the way, let me tell you something. Three years before Jesse died, I read a book about an orphan genocide survivor. And she had, you know, her parents were killed, her siblings were killed. And then six months later, so she, she narrowly escaped with her own life. She comes back six months later, goes to the prison where... Uh, her mother's killer is kept, and this guy brings him out, throws him at her feet, says, you can do whatever you want. You can kick him, you can spit on him, he's a scumbag. And uh, she kneels and forgives him. And i got to tell you, that enraged me. Mm. It, it bothered me so much. And I'm sitting next to Jesse. You know, he's asleep. I remember, I remember the whole scene. And I was like, boy, if anybody ever did anything to my family... I would, I would, it would be an eye for an eye, you know, how, how it made me angry that she forgave. And then the crazy thing is three years later, Jesse's murdered and orphan genocide survivors from Rwanda. I mean, I couldn't make this up, <laughs> but reach out to JT, who's Jesse's older brother when he's 12 years old. They, they live Skype with him in his bedroom through an interpreter. They tell him, you know, we lost our families. We, you know, there was attempted murder on us. We want you to know that you're going to feel joy uh, and you're going to be okay. And I'm behind him listening because these people have credibility. It's not like somebody, somebody else coming into my living room that has never experienced what I've experienced trying to give me advice. These people have experienced something worse. And by the way, what was their message? <laughs> their message was focus on gratitude you have to forgive because because we knew that if we didn't forgive, we would go down the same path of anger and destruction as the killers. And then you find meaning in your suffering by helping other people. I mean, it's it's, it's basically the formula that Jesse left on our kitchen ta- our kitchen chalkboard. Yeah. And and that's that's how you move through it. I mean, are you going to let it destroy your life because it's easy to do and you could do it? Or are you going to honor your loved one by learning from what happened and trying to be part of the solution? Okay, we're speaking with Scarlett Lewis, and uh, Scarlett's six-year-old son, Jesse, was one of the 20 children shot and killed at Sandy Hook Elementary School. Uh, Scarlett, have you had any—forgive me for not knowing this, I probably should, but have you had any contact or ever with Adam Lanza? No. I, I, not that I know of. I lived in Sandy Hook for 16 years. Before the tragedy happened, he lived here that whole time, too. But as far as I know, I did not have any contact. I just, because, look, I wanted to get towards the point of, 
if you ever came across him, and what would you do? And you know, I asked our last guest、right. that same question、um, because the the guy that killed her daughter is still in prison, and yeah, you know, because I mean, you can get all sort of philosophical about this stuff, and you know, rattle on about forgiveness. But I think the rubber hits the road when you're face to face with the with the man, the the boy, the guy that shot shot Jesse, right? You know, I, and and thank God, I don't have to do that, right? Because that's a different ball game. And I've talked to victims that have had to face their perpetrators,、mm-hmm. and that's very difficult. I mean, you look at the Aurora shooting. And、uh, that was the movie theater. Oh yeah, yeah. So now the the bottom line is now when you're gunned down by a semi-automatic weapon, our our medical field is is so advanced that you don't necessarily die, right? But you're maimed for life. So in the Aurora、um, uh, situation, that guy lived, and so his victims, the first few rows in the courtroom, are reserved for wheelchairs. And so here, are people that are paralyzed. One woman was pregnant, and and he shot her stomach. So so she lost her baby, and she's paralyzed for life.、Jeez. You know, just like horrific stories. And these people, they attend every single hearing. And by the way, the shooter has a fan club, so he's got. Kids that have his face on hoodie sweatshirts that sit in the courtroom and heckle the、uh, the survivors. So I'm saying there are there are excruciating situations,、mm-hmm. and and I don't know what I would do. I, I would hope that I would be strong enough to to forgive because I know that. Forgiveness is what sets you free. It's taking your personal power back. But, but I can't. I can't.、No. I. I don't know. No. I mean, yeah. Which f you would you do in that situation? You know, would it be? <laughs> no. I. I. It's. It's terrific.、Um, it's just terrific. Er, er, earlier in our conversation, you said something that kind of stuck with me, and I. Again, I'm going to stumble through this because that's how good I am.、Um, you said something like everyone along. The way in Adam Lanza's life, everyone dropped the ball, including his mother, and and there was a part of me that went, ooh, um, gee, if I was the parent of somebody who did something horrific, of course I would feel, geez, what did I do wrong, and how did I screw things up? But, but I mean, it, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like that that statement stood out for me. I don't know. I felt I felt a sting in that one. I I understand totally. And、uh, and and so here's the deal with that.、Um, first, first of all, Adam shot his mother in the face four times before he left the house th- that morning to go to Sandy Hook Elementary School. So any mistakes that she made, she paid dearly for.、Um, the and, and by the way, I also believe that she was doing the best that she could with the tools and the skills she had. She got no help, none. Right. Um, and so I feel compassion for her. Absolutely. Hey, I'm a single mom. <laughs> I know how hard it is. Sure. Right.、Um, but she gave him the guns that were used in the murder, and she did, and I understand why she did that because he was autistic. He had Aspergers, and it was really hard for her to make a connection with him. And the one thing that they enjoyed doing was going to the shooting range and shooting together, right? So, you know, I understand that. 
But at the same time, you know, the last eight months of Adam's life, he lived in the basement in a padlocked room. He did not go outside. He had garbage bags over his windows, and he did not allow his mother in his room. She sat outside a padlocked door and emailed with him. That was the only communication she had with him. So if you know that your child is having severe mental health issues, Mm -hmm. you do not leave guns around the house. Maybe that's the lesson that we learned from this, right? Sure, sure. (laughs) Man. Well, okay. Listen, Scarlett, just before we say goodbye, are you okay for a couple more minutes? You're, you're right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Can you just, I know you've done this a thousand times, and I just, that's why I left it till the end, because I, I kind of, but I, can you just take us, please, through the, 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 the day's events? Because, hold on, let me ask, let me ask myself why I want this. Is it just for sensationalistic purposes? Is it just because it brings people into the moment? I mean, what's... What's the impact of, of you going through? The, I'm sure when you speak, you go through the, the events of the day. Do you not? Uh, it depends on my audience. But I, you know, that's the hardest thing for me to do. Because as I'm saying it, I can't freaking believe it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's almost like a third person experience. I go, what the heck are you saying? How can that possibly be true? You mean that an angry former student shot his way through the glass doors of Sandy Hook Elementary School and then proceeded to gun down 20 first graders in two first grade classrooms and six educators in one of the worst mass murders in U.S. history. That doesn't happen to me. That doesn't happen to people I know. That happens to people that you read about in People magazine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? It doesn't. And, uh, and, and so it's so hard. Even, you know, we're approaching our fifth year anniversary, which is, this coming Thursday, um, you know, and like this morning, I'm walking into the municipal center and I'm looking at all these beautiful, perfect, little, smiling faces. And just to think about their last few minutes. And I just, it's, it's how can something like that happen in a civilized country? And then by the way, what the heck are we doing about it? Because, that can't be our new normal. Can people are are people just sitting by and letting that be our new normal? Well, I mean, it's just kind of unbelievable the whole thing. Yeah, and let me change gears because I actually care less about the events of the day and more about what you think about what the heck is going on in your goofball country that has. It just it drives me insane. I I very rarely get all rush limbaugh about things or you know outraged or whatever. But the you have the the goofiest scenario down there with how many shootings are going on and how many i mean you just talked about it earlier it's crazy but what is what is wrong with your country i i i honestly believe that it's lack of social and emotional intelligence we cannot manage our emotions we are angry we don't know why uh and and we're literally going ballistic on one another and the only solution I see is teaching children mm. how to have positive and loving relationships, how to feel, how to have deep and meaningful connections, resilience. I mean, clearly, we lack those things in this country because we haven't been teaching them, and we have to start. Um, you know, and the, and the gun issue is one thing. Like, you have two sides that are so totally 
polarized and both sides steeped in fear and anger, I, I don't see a solution ever coming out of that. So I just transcend right over it and go to education, yep. and I'm educating the next generation. Yeah. That is a solution. That is, that is one that chooses love, right? Because anger and hatred and, and fear, that's never going to be a solution. Wow. Um, I'm actually going to say this. You go, girl. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Thank you know, because here's the deal. You. Your country needs to worry less about terrorists killing Americans and more about Americans killing Americans. Really? We're doing it ourselves. We don't need terrorists. You don't need terrorists. No. Nope. Right. We, we're our own terrorists. <laughs> Man. We're <home> growing them. <laughs> well, uh, again, it really is a pleasure and a privilege to have you on our show. Uh, I'd like to have, you know, some people have said to me, why are you getting such, you know, these bummer stories on your show around Christmas? They should be, you should be all cheery and happy and sparkles and rainbows and stuff. And the reality is, I know all too well how many people struggle with the darkness around Christmas. And so to have you Absolutely. on to share your journey, I mean, I can't even imagine the first Christmas after Jesse was murdered. I can't even imagine that. And, two weeks. Two weeks after he was murdered. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, real, it was, a, it was a nightmare. I mean, I, I had my, my little nephews running all over the place. I'd already done all my Christmas shopping. I just gave Jesse's gifts to them. And I'm just sitting there going, uh, you know, I, I, I can't believe this. Hmm. Let me just go to one de- just one detail of the day. Because when I was listening to you share your story, this part stood out to me. And I just, I have to ask you about this. Who was the nut job that came up to you and told you that your son was dead? Get over it. yeah um yes that was you know i'm talking about that element that is that exists to take advantage and uh and 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 believe it or not there were people at the firehouse and this was like we didn't even know if our kids were dead or not and people are already smelling you know what you know ways to make money and uh yeah so so that's that's still upsetting. Uh, so but who was so that? Did you ever so find out who so that was? So your listeners know um, uh, somebody came up to me and and kind of knelt down and said, you know, there's no easy way to say that your son's dead. You know, kind of deadpan, whatever. And uh, and at that point, by the way, that had that was hours in, and I'd already had the police coming up to me saying. Uh, do you have a picture? Do you have a recent picture of Jesse? Uh, do you remember what he was wearing? Uh, does he have any identifying marks on his body? And uh, and so each time they came to me, I mean that's that's not a good sign. Mm-hmm. Each time, and so I I I kind of came to a slow realization that he wasn't coming back on my own. So when this person approached me, I knew that. Uh, I already knew that, but it wasn't a nice way to be told. And then a, a police officer came up to me and said, what did that guy just say to you? And I said, he just said, Jesse's dead. And he goes, he wasn't supposed to say that. So he gets, you know, apprehended or whatever in front of me. I don't actually know what, what happened. Um, but was it, hold on, was this, uh, Scarlett, was this an official or was this just, just somebody from the community hanging around? Somebody from the community hanging around. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I mean, 
at least it wasn't an official. I mean, you know, because that person should not have a job ever again. Um, Agreed. Agreed. And and you know what? I will say that um, the first responders were incredible. Oh, that's good. Jesse, Jesse's seventh birthday was six months after the tragedy. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you what, when I woke up that day, I was not in a forgiving mood. <laughs> I was black. I was... I was just in complete devastation. Jesse should be with me. He he, he should be turning seven today. Yep, yep. What the hell happened? Who's responsible for this? Right? I mean, how come nobody stepped forward? How come how come all the mistakes, all the years of mistakes, how come no one raised their hand and said, you know, maybe we could do something a little better next time? Right? I was angry. Mm. And uh, and by the way. The way that I, and we had planned this huge, my friend had, had donated her farm and we had, you know, three bands came to play. They donated their time and we had a huge blow up uh, uh, slide because, by the way, on Jesse's sixth birthday, he had asked for that. And um, my only excuse is that I, I was a single mom with a full-time job, and I forgot. So I called a week before, and I could only get this tiny little thing, and he, I remember him running around the corner, and he was thinking he was going to get this huge thing, and he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and then went and played. <laughs> I <laughs> thought that was so sweet. Anyway, so after he's dead, of course, we get this huge blow-up slide, and all the community joined in, and we invited a thousand first responders, and it was going to be this big celebration. I wake up that morning, I'm like, what was I thinking? A celebration? My child was murdered. He was shot in the forehead in his first grade classroom. Like, and, and by the way, the only way I got to that party and I got to, to have a few glasses of champagne and loosen up a little bit and have, have a, you know, I mean, have a relatively good time mm-hmm. was through forgiveness. You know, I took a deep breath, I took a step back, and I forgave again. I remembered all the reasons that I did, mm. and I just moved forward. It was like I could have stayed in bed all day. That's what I wanted to do with the covers over my head. But at the same time, I wanted to honor my son and everybody that was showing up out of love for him and for me. And I was able to do that. Man, I am so happy we had you on the show today. All right. Me too. Thank you. Scarlett, I hope this Christmas, I don't know, something happens that makes you laugh so hard you pee. <laughs> Me uh, too. Thank you. That's a weird thing to say, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I just, I want to agree with Hadge, our intern who answered the phone. You, The light that comes out of you is irritatingly beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Take care, Scarlett. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye.